And uh, this period comes to mind from time to time. Uh, and a lot of times it's come to mind uh, while being here in church. And it makes me shake my head with shame. And it leads me to praise God for his mercy. You see, the church that I grew up in uh, was a church that had a practice of altar calls, doing altar calls at the end of its services. And in case you don't know what an altar call is, it's a calling at the end of a service where uh, a preacher makes a call to the congregation uh, for those that want to give or rededicate their lives to Jesus so that they could do so after hearing the gospel preached. Now, the services were about two to two and a half hours long during the week, at night, weeknights. And, and every time I'd go to church, I wanted to hurry up and get out of there. It was so long. And to my shame, every time I went to church, every time I was at a church service, before the preacher wrapped up his sermon, I would be telling myself, please, I hope no one responds to the altar call. I hope no one responds tonight because I really want to get out of here. <laughs> I have plans for after the service. I want to go to the movies. I want to go hang out with my friends. So please, I hope the preacher forgets to make the altar call. And as I think about this, this reminds me of the wickedness of my heart back then um, as I wasn't a believer. A lack of understanding of the mercy that sinful people need but it also reminds me of the mercy that I myself needed and I was unaware of. And by God's grace, about 10 years later, the Lord had mercy on me and I heard the gospel and I repented and I believed. And this morning, I want to continue uh, our sermon series in the book of Jonah. And throughout our time in Jonah, we, we want to be, we, we've been learning about a God who is a great, merciful God. As we've been learning in the past uh, two sermons, the book is not so much about a great fish. It is about, it's about a great God who is merciful and compassionate towards his creation. And if you're taking notes this morning, the big idea for today is God is merciful to undeserving people. God is merciful to undeserving people. And we will see this in two main points. The first point is God's mercy to an undeserving prophet. And the second point is God's mercy to an undeserving people. God's mercy to an undeserving prophet and God's mercy to an undeserving pe people. <clears throat> Excuse me. So let's pick up where we left off a few weeks ago. Please open your Bibles to Jonah chapter 3. And if you're using one of those Black Pew Bibles that's in front of you, it's on page 775. And I'm going to ask that you keep your Bibles open um, throughout the sermon uh, as we will be spending time looking at the passage throughout our time together. So we're going to read the passage and then we're going to make some observations along as, as we go along this morning. Jonah 3. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days' journey. 
Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey, and he called out, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast and put on sackcloth, from the greatest of them to the least of them. The word reached the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne, removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. And he issued a proclamation and and published through Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles. Let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed or drink water. But let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and let them call out mightily to God. Let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Who knows? God may turn and relent and turn from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he said he would do to them, and he did not do it. Our text begins with God's mercy to an undeserving prophet. And that is our first point. God's mercy to an undeserving prophet. And there are two ways we see God's mercy to an undeserving prophet. The first is that God gives Jonah a second chance to obey. God gives Jonah a second chance to obey. If you read it with me, verse 1 and 2. It says, Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. We see that God sends his word again, a second time. But what's going on here? What's taking place here in this passage? How is this an example of God's mercy? Well, in order to understand what's going on in this chapter, in chapter 3, we need to understand this chapter in light of its context. So if you've been here for the sermon in uh, Jonah 1 and Jonah 2, then these verses probably sound familiar to you. Because in Jonah 1, verses 1 and 2, if you look there with me, Jonah 1, 1 and 2, we find a phrase that's almost identical to our passage today. In Jonah 3, 1 and 2. Except that the first time God's word came to Jonah in chapter 1, Jonah rose, but he rose to flee from his calling to Nineveh. And he went in the opposite direction. He didn't obey God's call to deliver the judgment message. Instead, he decided to go in the opposite direction to Tarshish. In chapter 1, we find a Jonah who was willingly rebelling against God. And you could say that Jonah was actually serving himself, which is ironic because he was a prophet of God and his calling was to serve God. And as a result, we learn that in love, God pursued Jonah because he would not repent. So chapter 1 unfolds the way in which God pursued Jonah. We saw in chapter 1 that God sent a great storm A great wind that resulted in a great storm. And God rebuked Jonah via the captain of the ship as Jonah was sleeping at the bottom. Then God exposed Jonah's sin through the casting of lots. 
And finally, after Jonah persists in his sin, God disciplines Jonah by having him thrown overboard because he would not turn from his rebellion. And this is what makes our passage this morning, specifically these uh, first four verses, amazing. God shows Jonah mercy by giving him a second chance, even though he didn't deserve it. God could have left Jonah drowning in the sea and not answered his cry for help and not rescued him or his life from the belly of death. And God would have remained good and holy and just. But he didn't. This is what mercy means. It means to not get what you deserve. When it refers to God, it means God's loving kindness or pity towards those with no claim to God's mercy as wretched sinners. Now, the Bible tells us that sin is punishable by death. It is a rejection because it is a rejection of God and it is an affront to God's holiness. Back in Genesis, God told Adam that he was to obey by not eating from the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And God warned Adam that the day that he ate from it, he would surely die. And sure enough, Adam ate and he died. And the Apostle Paul also tells us in Romans that the wages of sin is death. And we have all committed sin. We've all sinned against God. And therefore, we all deserve to die. Now, Jonah should have known better because he was a prophet. He was a prophet of God. And he had a special relationship with God. He knew God and he knew God's word. And in Numbers 22 and 1 Kings 13, we are told that prophets were judged more quickly and more severely because of their calling. So Jonah deserved to die because of his rebellion, but he doesn't. Now, brothers and sisters, these verses apply to you and to, my, to me because we have all followed in Jonah's footsteps by rebelling against God after his word has come to us, either in our personal study time or as we've sat under the preaching of the word of God or as the spirit of God has brought God's truths to mind. So maybe you're a single man or woman who works and has extra cash and you know that you should be a better steward of the money that God has entrusted you with. But you don't because you'd rather spend it all on yourself. Or maybe you're married and you know that you shouldn't entertain those sinful thoughts that come to mind or click on those links that lead you to sinful images on your computer. But you do it anyway because your desires are more important than God's. Perhaps you're a driver and you get annoyed when people don't respect your lane. And you know you shouldn't stare down the person who cuts you off because you know that you'll be murdering him in your heart. But you do it anyway because it makes you feel like justice has been served. 
We have all willingly rebelled. We've all gotten up and gone to do our own will. Maybe you feel like a different rebellious servant. The Apostle Peter. He was also a man who walked with the Lord and denied him three times. Maybe you feel that you've really messed up and you can't be forgiven. If this is you, Jonah shows us that God is a God of mercy, a God of second and third and fourth and fifth chances. And we are told that God, being rich in mercy, did not give Jonah what he deserved. He was forgiven, he was restored, and he was used by God. So if this is you, there is hope. There is hope because God has shown us mercy by not giving us the death that our sins have earned us. And instead, he has given us his son, Jesus Christ, who died for our sins and was raised from the dead so that we would be born again into a living hope in him. And this is important for us to understand because it has implications for our lives. If you're a Christian, God's mercy should move you to display mercy or to extend mercy to others. And to not extend mercy to others may show that you have either misunderstood God's mercy or you've forgotten about the mercy that's been shown to you. This is something that we cannot do on our own, extending mercy to those who sin against us or to those who offend us. We must rely on God because he is the one who empowers us to do so. So the first way that God shows his mercy to an undeserving prophet is that God gives him a second chance to obey. The second way that we see God's mercy to an undeserving prophet is that God enables Jonah to mature. Read verses 3 and 4 with me. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days' journey in breadth. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey, and he called out. Once again, we find a similar description of what took place in chapter 1. Only this time, rather than rebelling against God, Jonah obeys. Here we see God's mercy working in Jonah to mature him and to grow him in holiness, specifically in his obedience to God. We see this in at least two ways. First, where Jonah once fled in the opposite direction, Jonah now moves in a new direction. Jonah arose and went to Nineveh, and once he got there, He went into the city and called out God's message, just like he was commissioned to do. God's compassion in pursuing Jonah and saving Jonah from death and the sea showed him that disobeying God was not the way he wanted to go. So God's compassion and mercy moved Jonah to obey. How many of us here, after sinning against God and being shown mercy, have had our thinking corrected and our affections moved towards obedience. In God's mercy to us, he's used even our rebellion to teach us, 
to turn from sin and to walk in obedience. And not only does God's mercy move Jonah in a new direction, but God also uses it to submit to a new director. Jonah's new director. We should have expected for Jonah to obey God's command when in the first few verses of the book in chapter 1, he was given a task or given, he was commissioned to obey and to, send, to give a message to Nineveh, but he didn't. And now here in chapter 3, after a long series of events, God's extension of his mercy, Jonah finally dies to himself and submits to God. In verse 3, we read, So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. If you're a Christian and you fail to obey God when you knew you shouldn't have disobeyed, you may be wondering or you've probably wondered if God still wants anything to do with you. Maybe that's you right now and you're feeling condemning thoughts that tell you that you're undeserving of God's mercy. And if that's you, Jonah teaches us that God is a God who delights in giving his undeserving people second chances. And not only that, but he also shows us his mercy so that we would turn from our rebellious ways and submit to him. And he does this not because we deserve it, but because he is faithful to his promises. God is merciful to give us second chances and to grow us in holiness only because of our great salvation that's been given to us in Jesus Christ. And as we grow in our understanding of God's love, we grow in our desire to be more like him. This is all a work of God's mercy in our lives. So here in verses 1 through 4, we see God's mercy to an undeserving prophet. And now in the last part of verse 4, through the remaining verses in verse 10, we find our second main point, God's mercy to an undeserving people. God's mercy to an undeserving people. Continuing from verse 4, the end of verse 4. Yet forty days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. The word reached the king of Nineveh and he arose from his throne, removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth and satin ashes. And he issued a proclamation and published through Nineveh. Just as we saw God's mercy in two ways in the first point, once again, we see God's mercy to an undeserving people in two ways. The first way we see it is that God gives Nineveh a warning. He gives them a warning. Here in our passage, we find that Jonah is now obeying God. And he gets up, he goes to Nineveh, and on his, his way there, you can picture Jonah seeing a large and prosperous city. And the text tells us that the city was a three days walk, which indicates that Nineveh was about seven miles long, which was a big city for its time. And some believe that the description of the city's size is included in, the, in Jonah's book to point us to the size of the city's wickedness. 
If you remember in chapter 1, the reason that God sent Jonah to Nineveh was to pronounce judgment on them because of their evil. Their evil had come before God. And as we mentioned before, these people were feared because they were known for their extreme cruelty and wickedness. And it's to this people that God sends Jonah with a message of destruction. Yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. 40 days until Nineveh is overthrown, overturned. We can read it in that way. God's mercy to Nineveh is seen in his sending of a warning. God didn't have to send a warning, but he did because he had a purpose behind it. And the purpose of his warning was to enable Nineveh to respond to God. And this is the second way we see God's mercy to an undeserving people. God enables Nineveh to respond. How do they respond? What are the results from hearing God's message? Well, the Ninevites heard the message and believed God. We see that in verse 5. And the people of Nineveh believed God. God sent his word to them so that they would believe him. And verse 5 says that the people of Nineveh believed him. And this word believe here carries the meaning of trust. That is, when they heard Jonah's message, they didn't call God's bluff saying, yeah, right. He's not going to do it. Instead, they believed his word. Every word of it. And they took it seriously. Now, there is a difference between believing in God and believing God. You can believe God. You can believe in God, but not care about who he is or what he says. And if you simply believe and acknowledge that God exists... The Bible says that you're no different than the demons, for even demons believe in God. And they shudder, so they have one more up over us, because sometimes we don't even shudder, according to James. On the other hand, you can do what the Ninevites did, and you can believe God. Because to believe God means to accept what he says in his word, and then live accordingly to it as a lifestyle. So you can believe in God, but if you're not living trusting his word, then you are in the same position as demons. But the Ninevites not only believed God, they put their trust in his word, which led them to act accordingly, which leads us to the second thing that God's mercy enables them to do. They repent. Now, even though we don't see the word repent in the text, we see repentance in their actions. Verse 5 appears to be a summary of Nineveh's action as a whole group. And the remaining verses in 6 through 9 give us more details of what their faith and repentance look like. Notice the king's response. God's word described as the word in verse 6 reached the king of Nineveh and he responds by humbling himself before God. We see, he's, we see his humility in his response. It says, getting up, removing his robe, 
covering himself in sackcloth and sitting in ashes. Now, sackcloth was a rough material that was made of goat's hair, which was very uncomfortable to wear. And sitting in ashes represented ruin. And in those times, dressing in sackcloth and sitting in ashes was a way of showing one's repentance. So the king does this. And then he issues a proclamation calling all of Nineveh, from the greatest of them to the least of them, including man and beast, he calls them to repentance. His decree called them to fast, to put on sackcloth, to call out to God, and to turn from their evil ways. And we know that their repentance was genuine for two reasons. The first reason is that in Matthew, 20, in Matthew 12, 41, Jesus says that Nineveh repented at the preaching of Jonah. Jesus used the Ninevites of Jonah's time to warn the Pharisees about the coming judgment for rejecting Jesus' words. And in Jonah 3, the Ninevites' repentance serves as a model for us to, today of what repentance looks like. That is, to believe in God and to turn from our evil ways. This is the same message that Jesus proclaimed when he started his ministry, when he came proclaiming the kingdom of God is at hand, repent and believe the gospel. The second reason we know that the repentance was genuine is because of God's response to Nineveh. And this brings us to the third way that God shows his mercy to an undeserving people. God relents of the judgment that he threatened. God relents of the judgment that he threatened. Verse 10 says, when God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he said he would do to them, and he did not do it. Notice God's actions. We're told that God saw the, Ninev uh, the Ninevites' response. First, we learn that God saw their actions. God saw the way that they turned from their evil way, how they believed him and repented. Second, we learn that God accepted their repentance because he relented of his judgment. Even though their sins were extremely wicked, God extended mercy to them because they repented and believed him. Why? Why did God do this? Well, it's not because God owed it to them, because God doesn't owe mercy to anyone. God did this because he is faithful to his promises. And in Jeremiah 18, 7 through 9, we're told that God is consistent. It helps us see that God is consistent with who he is and his promises, because Jeremiah 18, 7, 9 says, If at any time I declare concerning a nation or a kingdom that I will pluck up and break down and destroy it, and if that nation concerning which I have spoken turns from its evil, I will relent of the disaster that I intended to do to it. So God's action with the Ninevites is consistent with his promises. Also, he doesn't delight in the death of the wicked. God's desire is that the wicked would turn from their evil ways so that they would live, according to Ezekiel 18.23. Now, First Baptist Church, 
knowing that God is merciful and that he has been merciful to you. This should encourage you to be merciful and gracious to people who need to hear the gospel. This should lead you to proclaim God's message of the coming judgment because the word of the Lord has also come to you in the gospel. The gospel warns people of the coming judgment because of sin and also gives people hope because of the mercy that's offered in Jesus Christ. The question is, will you get up and proclaim the message? Will you share the gospel with your coworker who is in need of mercy? Will you get up and share the gospel with your neighbor who lives next door to you or maybe across the street? Will you go trusting not in yourself, but in God who has power to save? The king of Nineveh and the sailors in chapter 1 asked, Who knows? God may turn and relent from his anger so that we may not perish. But you know that God will relent and he will forgive because of what Jesus Christ has done on the cross. Because he is faithful to his promises. If you're visiting us this morning and you know yourself not to be a Christian, this word has implications for you as well. Jonah 3 helps us understand that God is a merciful God, but it also teaches us that God is a holy God and that we've all sinned against him and that the wages of our sin is death and that everyone is in need of mercy. And God offers mercy in his son, Jesus Christ, because God offered his son by sending him into this world to live the life that was expected of you and to die the death that you deserved so that if you repent and you put your trust in him, the judgment that you deserved has already been taken by him. So if you repent and believe, you will receive full and free forgiveness. And God can do this, uphold his mercy without violating his justice because his justice is met with the life of Jesus Christ, which was offered as a sacrifice on the cross. Because Christ offered his perfect life as a sacrifice, you can be treated as if you were innocent and receive God's mercy. In conclusion, we find that the same God of the Old Testament who displays his mercy to Jonah is the same God today who continues to extend his mercy to all who would repent and believe in his son, Jesus Christ. God calls us to repent and to believe him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you and we praise you for being a merciful God. We praise you that you have not treated us according to our sinful ways. But you in your kindness, while we were still dead in our sins and in our trespasses, you sent your son Jesus Christ to die for us. We thank you that in him we are treated 
as if we were innocent because he died for us. Thank you that even when we were unaware that we needed your mercy, you gave us your mercy and that you drew us to yourself and saved us. Father, we pray that you would work in our hearts so that we would be merciful, extending mercy to others who are in need of your saving. We pray, Lord, that you would work through us, through our obedience, to bring yourself glory and that many would come to know you, the one and only merciful God. It's in Jesus' name that we pray this. Amen.